0: Oh. Mm. Mm. Ah, beep, eh.
1: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Howlett. We are broadcasting to you live from unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the Tsleil-Waututh up here on uh, Burnaby Mountain. And today our guest is Sharon Selby. She is a registered clinical counselor, and she is Luca's primary connection, so I'm going to pass it over to you, Luca.
0: Yes, well, I've been trying to get Sharon on the show for ages. I know I say that a lot about our guests, (laughs) but we often will work on people and and get them in the studio eventually when all of our schedules coincide so um, we met through our networking right mm-hmm, that's and right. and have I've been fascinated with what you've been doing for a long time because you're working with kids and anxiety levels mm-hmm. and um, you do a you do a newsletter that you send out online. That's and when I read those newsletters, I, I have often thought that it applies just as much to adults as it does to children. Mm-hmm. And how wonderful when we start with children right from the get-go, so that children already start to learn how to manage all of this before they become adults and don't know how to do it. So, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit. First of all, welcome to the show. It's Thank wonderful you. to have you in the studio it's with great us. Great to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started with. I mean, getting into counseling in the first place, but Mm -hmm. but you're very specifically working with kids and teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, What is it about that that just, that tickles you?
2: Yeah, so um, I started off as an elementary school teacher, and I always loved being around children, probably just their spontaneity, their authenticity, and I just, I'd worked at summer camps growing up as a teenager with kids, so My whole world had always been connected to children, and I thought teaching was the perfect um, place to get to work with so many different kids. So I did that for a while in different countries, and um, I loved it, but I also felt overwhelmed because there were just so many individual needs, and it's hard to meet all of them. When you're in the classroom. So I started looking more into counseling and, and doing my master's in counseling and followed that route. So since then, which was just about 21 years ago, I... <laughs> We're uh, counting. Right? it have been <laughs> those <that know>, landmarks, <laughs> right? Like 20 years yes. and like, woo! It's been a while now. So I've been counseling for that long and I started off counseling in the schools And then I moved into private practice and I um, work with children and teens uh, one on one and I also run groups as well. Mm -hmm. And you've recently
0: written a book, which Mm is for kids, which is a really nice synopsis of the principles involved in uh, what So what, what is, how does anxiety manifest for kids? Like how would a parent know
2: mm-hmm. that their child is suffering from from anxiety? Right. Well, there's a difference between anxiety and worry. So worry is kind of more what, you know, we all get where we get those negative thoughts and we, we feel a bit stressed out about things, but then maybe it motivates us to solve a problem or it, you know, goes away, you know, quite soon. But when that worry starts to really become like a loop and it's hard to let go of that worry, then we start moving into the anxiety territory and we also feel it in our body and we get that tight chest and the the rapid heart uh, beat happening, shaking. It can show up in so many different ways. Um, our sleep can be disturbed. Uh, also, with anxiety, we see avoidance. So, um, suddenly children or teens that were willing to do certain activities, all of a sudden they don't feel good about that. There's something inside of them that's just telling them to avoid. So um, yeah, looking out for those kind of signs. And if it starts to be something that's ongoing, then definitely look a little deeper and consult uh, with your doctor or a licensed mental health professional. Yeah. So
0: I think when I first met you, Mm -hmm. you were you were still working in the school system, mm-hmm. and you were looking at going out into private practice. That's
2: right. It was right at that
0: transition. It was time. right at that transition time, mm-hmm. and I remember you being really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, what what precipitated that move? Mm-hmm. out of the school system and into private practice because i imagine you're de- you're still dealing with the same kids right. same parents yes. same teachers yes. but you're d- but you're doing it in a slightly different way now what yes. w- w- what happened there for
2: you yeah so i think um partly it was um experience because um i had been working in the schools for about 10 or 11 years by that point point. and so then i felt that i could Develop my own programs. I could run, um, there's more freedom when you're working in private practice, and so I love working in the schools. There's many positives to that, mm-hmm. but there's also time constraints. You can only see a child for about 30 minutes. Sometimes you, you know, want to see a child weekly, but you're not able to because there's just so many things that you're you're dealing with, and so there's a lot of putting out of fires and mm-hmm. and things like that. And I was wanting to move into a practice where I could meet with. Uh, families weekly I also wanted to have parents be a big part of the process which you can do in schools and you can bring parents in for meetings but again it's just the time constraints you're mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. challenged mm-hmm. so and I wanted to run groups um, so I just had a lot more flexibility and um, decided that the time was right and and it really seemed to be because um yeah it just, has been like that ever since. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you
0: add this children's book into the mix? And and what is it? Because it's a it's a playful w- way mm-hmm. of doing this. I mm-hmm. mean, um, it's ideal for kids. But I but if I remember correctly, you wanted to do this so that um, adults and their kids, parents and their kids, could sit down together and
2: read the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're exactly right. So um, through my work over the years. I've developed this curriculum, really, which is kind of this um, content that I found useful and effective for helping children understand anxiety and then be able to manage it and overpower it in many cases. And it's really, um, the book is designed for children between ages 5 to 10, if it's a 10 year old that's still okay with looking at cartoon kind of pictures. As you say, the content is really for teens, adults. It's everything we teach in cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT. So, um. I knew that you know I, I had this way of of teaching that was fun because of my teaching experience. I was combining that. I love being creative, so everything was connected to some kind of arts and crafts or game, and then um, and then actually getting the CBT principles as well. So for parents, anxiety is so tricky and the worries because it's not really intuitive to know how to handle it. The things we would normally do, for example, reassurance. If our child falls off a wall and has a really bad bleeding knee, you know, absolutely, we're there, we're, we're looking after their knee, we're comforting them, we're reassuring them, and, and we're, that's exactly what we need to do. But when a child is really anxious, yes, they're also distressed. But if we give them reassurance and keep giving them reassurance and get into this cycle, we discover it's actually not helping. And the child just keeps looking for more reassurance, but it's just not making this anxiety go away. And so what our parental intuition is saying is comfort them, reassure them. But actually what the... Um, the research and and CBT is saying is, we've got to teach them about their brain and their body, and we have to teach them this is actually a false alarm, and they are not really having a true 911 experience even though that's what their body is simulating, and it absolutely feels that way. So parents need tools and guidance to know how do we teach this to our children without them feeling dismissed and without them feeling as though they're not being validated, but they also need to learn it so that they can understand it and not be scared of their own anxiety and their own worries. And I imagine they also have to be able to
0: differentiate between when it's a real emergency and when it's a false mm-hmm. emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Because our we have a very powerful um, uh, defense system that kicks in mm-hmm. that's absolutely necessary if it's a real emergency. Like there's a truck bearing down on us, right? That's, exactly. So, and I imagine that parents need to know that also. Like when is it? When is is it appropriate to reassure, and when is that counterproductive, and how do we tell the difference, and
2: and Mm -hmm. when do I bring in the new skill set? Exactly. And and the other thing that's so confusing is normally we trust the signals we get from our body and our Mm -hmm. mind. So if we have goosebumps, this is a true signal. We're Mm -hmm. cold. We need to put on a sweater. Mm -hmm. And if our stomach's growling, it's a true signal. We need to get some food. Mm -hmm. So we just grow up believing that our body is is always talking to us and telling us the truth about what we need to do but there's an exception and the exception is anxiety mm-hmm. that is when your body is is mixed up it's having a false alarm and we actually need to do the opposite of what our body and mind are telling us to do which again is really Mm counterintuitive but once we can get people on board with that and and they realize how important that is that becomes the big turning point in the individual getting their power back over their worries and their anxiety so it, it's a
0: self-empowerment process as mm-hmm. much as it is a self-confidence process. Right? Absolutely.
2: Anxiety takes your power away. Yeah. It, it yeah. starts to become the boss of you yeah. and it controls you. So we have to learn how to take our power back.
1: It's really interesting because I'm also perceiving the difference here that you're describing between the natural way that parents seek to support their children. Mm-hmm. It um, it It's almost... Or it, never mind, almost. It is a way in which we're trying to assist them to continue being children. That we're holding the heavy stuff for them, mm-hmm. and by saying, you know, you can trust us. We're telling you this is okay. It's okay. Giving that reassurance, right? Like we're we're shouldering this for you. Uh-huh. Just be carefree. Mm-hmm. But what we need to step into is is a mindset where. We really are training our children with adult skills, age-appropriate, mm-hmm. yeah. through mm-hmm. metaphors mm-hmm. that work for them, through mm-hmm. techniques that work for them where they're at. But that's the shift. It's like instead of trying to hold off these adult-seeming responsibilities of understanding emotions, understanding how brains work, understanding how all these things, how to mm. judge what's real versus what's not real or farce, false alarm versus um, true, true alarms. alarms. Yeah, yeah we're at, we are we are... We are doing better for them by, by honoring that they have a, perhaps a greater capacity than we might think.
2: Absolutely. It's it's life skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what's so rewarding about working with young children in particular is the earlier we catch this, the easier it is for them to turn it mm-hmm. around and learn these skills, believe in them, and then start having them become part of just their way of living. So that's why I wrote the book was because I thought we are – living in this epidemic of high anxiety with higher rates than ever before. And so let's start trying to be proactive. We don't have to have a child get diagnosed with an anxiety disorder to then start teaching this. Just at the first sign of worry, we can start explaining to them how our mind works and things we can do to feel better.
1: This is starting to roll into like the psychological first aid stuff, which I'm hearing more and more from people mm. um, through my interactions with, with uh, kids and teachers, especially in the school systems. Mm-hmm. They're asking for more of this. And it's the proactive side, right? Mm-hmm. The not just how do I know when things are getting out of control and need support, but what can we do? Um, have you heard the phrase, phrase uh, mental hygiene? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's 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 like mm-hmm. mental hygiene, right? And, mm-hmm. and we're learning it for ourselves, learning to train our children this way. It's exciting. Thank you for doing this work. Yes, I'm
2: excited by it. And I think how far we've come, you know, back when I was a child, like, Anxiety wasn't even known about. It wasn't recognized. It certainly wasn't spoken about. And now, people can talk about it so much more openly. When I did my book launch, it was really for the kids. So I had a um, huge church that we rented, and we had over 100 kids and parents there. And the kids were excited to be at a worry imp party because my book is called (laughs) Surfing the Worry Imp's Wave. So we had worry imp cake and we had wily owl cookies to represent the wise owl part of the brain. And we had crafts and we had music and it was just fun. And I thought, wow. It's learning through play,
0: right? Yes.
2: And we don't have stigma like we yeah. don't mind that we're mm-hmm. all here because we've got some worries, and mm-hmm. we're just celebrating And really, together. who doesn't
0: have some worries? I, right? Exactly. It, I mean, it's the spectrum, right? Exactly. So if you're just joining us right now, um, you're joining Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca, and today we have in the studio Sharon Selby, who is a registered clinical clinical counselor. And we're just talking about Sharon's um, latest book. I'm I'm going to say latest because I have a feeling there might be another one in there somewhere. <laughs> there <laughs> is. I've, I've got ideas for yes, another one. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Was there for you, um, di- did you have personal experience with anxiety in your childhood um, that that this has become a, um, an issue, a challenge that's so close to your heart?
2: You know, that's interesting. Um, I didn't actually. I mean, I had other things I went through, like moving from England to Canada when I was um, 10 years old. And that was a big change. That could be anxiety producing if you were so inclined, Mm -hmm. right? And so it was definitely, you know, a big change in my life. Um, But I think what I I definitely have family members who have anxiety, so it's close to my heart, and then really what happened was my practice, without me even actually deciding this is going to kind of be a specialty area, because I was running groups, because I knew that I could serve more children that way, that were um, focusing on anxiety and how to help children with it, and because it was working for these kids, then... Those families told other families, and so then I got known for this work. You became the anxiety expert. (laughs) But it wasn't actually a really conscious decision. But It it, chose you. It chose me. (laughs) (laughs) But I loved the work. I realized this is my calling, and... And I love the way that I can use my creativity to make it fun and make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it just became an area of passion. And I realized there was such a huge need. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was a way I could try to make a big difference and try to bring down these high rates of anxiety. Yeah. Do you think that there's something
0: in our current world that... Um, produces more anxiety
2: in children? I do. I think there's a few factors. Um, I heard one uh, psychologist at some training I did quite a ways back, talk about there is a genetic link with anxiety so it does often run in families and also more sensitive people are more prone to anxiety. And so what was really interesting, what the psychologist said, I think his name was Dr. Fox, he said that sensitive people tend to partner up with sensitive people. And then we breed children together. (laughs) Hypersensitive children. now we have the doubly sensitive (laughs) children that could be getting an anxiety gene from both sides, or at least one. And so it's creating um, a sensitive culture, which is wonderful, and I think part of evolution and Mm -hmm this could save the planet. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we've got to learn how to handle the anxiety that Mm -hmm. comes with being an empathetic and sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So I think there's the genetic component and then there's also, of course, the fact that technology is now so present in our lives. It brings us the news instantly. It tells us... In graphic detail. In graphic detail, without a chance to filter it out. Mm -hmm. So it's on TVs in every restaurant or wherever you might be if there's been a terrorist attack or a school shooting. It's now on your wristwatch. Right. No. And so how to keep children, you know, away from that because those images are too much for them depending on their age. The information is too much depending on their age. And also you know, to be getting it, even if you are a teen on your social media feed constantly, that creates angst. Mm -hmm. And so and now border control and, and all the kind of security we have to go through, which is, of course, important, but it's so much more than when we were growing up, that it creates a fear based culture. So there's that part as well. Then there's the social anxiety. So I mean, that's a whole area where social media has increased uh, anxiety just so much and is very unhealthy. Mm -hmm. We've uh, reverted back to a lot of girls in particular, um, you know, posing in a lot of sexualized poses to see how many likes they can get, wearing very seductive clothing on their Instagram pictures. Mm -hmm. And this is a competition. And not even
0: fully realizing the effect, because they're experimenting, right? Mm -hmm. They don't really know the effect that this would have on anybody, Mm -hmm. but they get likes,
2: and they don't even necessarily know what those likes
0: mean. Mm -hmm.
2: It's all very superficial, but in this period of identity development and insecurity, it means a lot to them at least the ones who are participating in it. Yeah. And and then you're just comparing all the time. <laughs> Plus, it's, you know, showing also people's lives and glamorizing them. You know, some teens will take 100 photos and edit them until they get that one that they think, now I look, you know, as, as handsome or as beautiful gorgeous as possible. And so I'm going to post this one. And it's not really a slice of We get this distorted reality. view of what reality is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we have a little clip here of a TEDx
2: talk. That Mm. you did. Uh, Where where did you do the TEDx talk? It was over on Vancouver Island uh, at a boarding school that hosts this independent TEDx event. (laughs) So it was uh, Brentwood College School in front of 500 high school students and teachers. Fabulous.
0: Well, would you like to introduce the little clip that we're mm-hmm. going to play here? And for those of you who are hooked into social media and are following mm-hmm. us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is Essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. And we're, um, texting out, t- tweeting out, um, little bits and pieces, um, gems from what Sharon is saying today. And we'll have the link here to the YouTube, version of this talk. So if you'd like to listen to Sharon's whole talk, you can do that. But we're just going to uh, listen to just a little piece of
2: it. And what's the piece we're going to listen to, Sharon? All right. So the um, talk basically explains the three mind shifts that are not intuitive, um, that can be really helpful in overpowering anxiety. And the little bit we're going to share now is the second mind shift, all about the power of our thoughts. This connects to the second important mind shift, which is to realize the power of our thoughts. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our thoughts create our reality. Imagine that you're somebody who's uncomfortable with dogs, and you're at the beach, and all of a sudden you come across my golden retriever, Bailey. He's off-leash. I'm not around, and he barks. And your worried voice thinks, this dog is vicious. He's going to bite me. You feel scared. You go into flight mode, and you run, and you leave the beach. But if you were someone who is comfortable with dogs, and the exact same thing happened, and you saw Bailey, this time you would think, he's so cute, because he is. And when he barks, he wants to play. Yeah, he wants you to throw him a stick. And this time, you're thinking, where's the owner? And you're concerned, and you're feeling compassionate. And you go over to him, and you pet him. And you look for a contact number. By switching our negative, fearful thoughts to more positive, trusting thoughts, we can feel more calm. In both these situations... Bailey was behaving in the exact same way. But by having opposite thoughts, it created completely different feelings, which led to completely different actions.
1: So that's just a little snippet from The Impact of Anxiety and What We Can Do About It that was a TEDx talk by Sharon Selby. I appreciate that so much. It's something... That's been uh, a personal journey to try to step into that shift when I recognize Mm. that um, my those underlying thoughts are creating the emotions, right? Or whatever the emotions are to say, okay, well, what's the thought that's creating? This is the basis mm-hmm. of CBT, right? This mm-hmm. is where the, the gems from that. Um, we're counselors geeking out right now, right? <laughs> that's that's like, <laughs> right both
2: CBT counselors We here. love it. <laughs> yes. It's just, yeah,
1: it's so helpful to then um, create that shift for ourselves rather than just being s- swept along. I mean, your, your mm-hmm. analogy of the, the wave, the metaphor of the wave is, is so, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what did doing that TED Talk do for you? Well, it certainly pushed me out of my comfort zone. (laughs) So,
2: um, you know, that's what I'm always uh, encouraging my clients to do. And I knew that speaking in front of 500 and knowing that it was a video that would be on YouTube in the TEDx library um, was a big deal. So I was feeling anxious while I gave my presentation, but I had to push through my own anxiety. I had to prepare a lot. Um, and I had to find my ways to surf my own wave and connect with the audience. At the beginning, I, I say to the audience, you know, put up your hand if you felt worried in the last week. How about the last few days? How about the last 24 hours? And I had my hand raised the whole time so that we could connect. Um, so, yeah, it's good for me to just remember what it is like um, to push yourself out of the comfort zone and face your fears. So that when I'm helping my clients do that, it's a recent um, experience for me as well. It gives you the compassion for them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and know yeah. what that fast-beating heart feels like yeah. and the um, the lump in the throat and, and those feelings. I
0: mean, you were also talking about reactions to Bailey, mm-hmm. that, that people can choose to go into fear or they can move into compassion. It's right. interesting that you chose compassion. Passion mm-hmm. for them to move into because I think that when we're confident
3: mm-hmm. and we're
0: more relaxed, we do move into compassion, which is a heart opening.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, exactly.
0: So once we get, I'm and I, I, I'm sure that once we get back into our hearts, mm-hmm. w- we we're coming from a different place.
2: Right? Absolutely, it, it mm-hmm. is
0: more comfortable for us, mm-hmm. um, and and less likely that that the
2: worry will take over it's it is it's about trust right and just trusting this Mm -hmm. moment right now because we don't really know Mm -hmm. what the future holds and I Mm -hmm. say that all the time to my clients I say you know we think that our session is going to be finished in 55 minutes Mm -hmm. but there could be an earthquake and anything could happen we don't really know The only moment we know is right now, and the worries play on our mind to go into the future and predict the worst case scenario. So we have to really pull back and just try and stay in the present and just trust that everything is okay at this very moment.
1: Mm -hmm. I feel like it's time for us to play one of your songs for the day. Mm -hmm. Which one would you like to choose to play first? Um, I think I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, why would you? Why is this song one of your uh, your choices for today?
2: Well, I first heard it in the Olympics when we had the Vancouver Olympics, and I just loved it so much. I love the lyrics. I love just the emotion that's in the song. And then at my book launch, I had my daughter who was uh, 15 at the time and her four girlfriends come up on stage and sing the song to the audience because I wanted all the children there to feel the empowerment. It's, it's such a self-empowerment song and that's really everything that I'm always trying to tap into with my clients is let's
1: find our own self-empowerment. This is really your theme then, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It is. (laughs) This is your theme song. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's take a listen to I Believe. This is by Nikki Yanofsky. It was the official Vancouver Winter Olympic Anthem from 2010. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll tweet out a link to that on YouTube as well. So we will listen to this and then we will rejoin Sharon Selby here in the studio in just a few minutes.
3: There comes a moment when my heart must stand alone On this lonely path I've chosen Like a house that's not home. Sometimes when I feel I've had enough And I feel like giving up You want me to be all I can 21st, and then the 21st Olympic Winter Games are awarded to the city of Vancouver. This is the moment we have dreamed of all our lives. we Will be the change we wish from our We'll sense harm to others.
1: are Rebecca and Luca. We are here with Sharon Selby, a registered clinical counselor, and we just listened to her first song choice for the day, which was, I believe, sung by Nikki Yanofsky. And it was full of all the energy of the Olympics, the mm-hmm. sounds of the Olympics. We were kind of going down memory lane since that was here in Vancouver. <laughs> um, but yeah, good energy in that song. And that was Sharon's, mm-hmm. like, it's her theme song for <laughs> this is what you're all about. This is what you're looking mm-hmm. to create more of in the world and in the lives of your clients mm-hmm. Luca I think you had a question you wanted to go well yeah we, uh, we've,
0: we've done a lot of talking over the last few years about intuition and you using your as I use my intuition with my clients all the mm-hmm. time and Rebecca does too you, you using your intuition how does, how does your intuition f- um, play into how you're working as a counselor when you're working with the parents families and, and the children that are part of your practice mm-hmm. how does that show up for you
2: well, I think that's the, the beautiful part about being able to meet with people in person because that's where really I can feel things the most. And so there's just certain energies in the room or the way people are sitting or when they are, are telling a story or something like that, that you get A greater sense somehow uh, more than just the words that they're saying. So you can really feel their experience of anxiety or you can really sense what might be um, a strategy that's going to work for them because I really do always try to follow the client's lead because if they feel as though they've come up with the solution to their worry or their anxiety, of course, that's going to be more empowering for them and going to have a much higher chance of success. So I'm always looking for any kind of way to pick up on something that could connect to the CBT strategies and then make it relatable for them. So you've got a toolkit
0: a quite considerable mm-hmm. toolkit now because you've been adding to it over all of these years, mm-hmm. and the the intuition isn't just another tool that you use in your toolkit. Do you mm-hmm. do you notice? Have you noticed? How have you noticed? Kids having their own intuition.
2: Hmm.
0: is that or have you noticed that?
2: Yeah. So that's um a really interesting point because it's this. Very interesting line where I have to help children and teens learn how to not listen to their body and their mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then that doesn't fit with listening to your intuition. Yes. Yeah. So, um, But I I have to
0: counterintuitive air quotes here.
2: Yeah, (laughs) so Hmm. I have to help them to be able to distinguish what is this whole true alarm false alarm concept that I'm teaching them, but then also I want them to be you know guided by trust and intuition as well. Hmm. So helping them with that, which is quite a big topic, um, but it's manageable. We can do it, and we do. um, But that is part of the work.
0: So I'm uh, one of the things that I've talked to kids about is knowing if they're in danger in any way. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about um, having a funny feeling Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to being stuck in a loop. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's different than, and and I'm, you know, I don't have an answer here. I'm just really interested in exploring mm-hmm. this with you. That there's there's a difference between having a funny feeling about something, which is which often pops up out of the blue.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So that maybe not even looking for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So for instance, uh, maybe they have a feeling that it's not okay to go home a certain route one night mm-hmm. one night mm-hmm. not so it's not the it's not the loop that's going around that says like persistent pattern, it's dangerous right? to go home mm-hmm. but this one just saying mm, that's different mm-hmm. um di- being able to differentiate the two so that they can pay attention to it mm-hmm. um that's or or even knowing when uh, a friend is in trouble Right, that it's something that comes up that's unusual.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the and, and I hold my, my 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 left hand out on the horizontal, and then I take my index finger and and stick it up between my fingers, and it goes bloop. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. thing that is. Not usually there, and then all of a sudden is right, yeah, which is definitely how I experience my intuition when I'm working with clients mm-hmm. that it's i'm I'm sailing along and we're talking about something, and then all of a sudden something catches my attention
2: mm-hmm.
0: and or i or I start to have a sneaking suspicion about something it's but th- it's not necessarily logical, yeah um, that's a whole different thing than this this repetitive loop that we get into that we don't know how to break out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if you've noticed if there are um, ever instances where someone's intuition gives them the tool or the clue
2: to dealing with getting stuck in that loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I can think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but definitely that could happen. And that's what I really believe does happen with all of us um, is that we get uh, this intuition that kind of guides us that we need to listen to and um, helps us to learn more about ourselves. Uh, But then also with the anxiety training, we learn what our triggers are. We learn that You know, perhaps every time I sign up for a new activity, I'm excited at first. And then when the day comes, I don't want to go anymore. And I blame my mom and dad for signing me up. And how dare they? And so we start to see that's a pattern. It's Mm -hmm. not really a 911 emergency. (laughs) And so that's the worry imp. And it's
0: very different. mm -hmm. As you described, that is very Mm -hmm. different. Than how intuition feels, right? Yes, so different. Mm-hmm. And as you describe it, it's it becomes even more apparent to me how different it is. Because mm-hmm. I've I've thought for a long time about how do we how do we because um, I I've, I've noticed with the little kids that they trust their intuition way more. Yes, so that gets educated out of kids as they get closer to school age, mm-hmm. um, and it and it's not any nobody's deliberately doing it, right? It's, yes, we say, oh, that's just a dream or that's just your imagination, and that that kind of thing, but it's because um, I'm I I think a lot about the trust, right? Mm-hmm. What you, we want. We want kids to be able to trust themselves, right? Yes, um, but we don't want them trusting things that aren't trustworthy, right? Yes, and so really, we're teaching them about discernment, mm-hmm. and a lot of discernment, it seems to me, is about patterns.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: about recognizing a pattern, and and a lot of CBT is about w- what are the patterns, yes. right? Yes, um, and what's a productive
2: pattern mm-hmm. and what's a counterproductive pattern. That's right. And the the other part that we can teach is what in the adult psychology world we call cognitive distortions, which is what the researchers have found is kind of the groups of categories that these worries fit into Mm -hmm. and then with children we call them thinking traps or mind tricks Mm -hmm. i call them the worry imps mind Mm -hmm. tricks Mm -hmm. and so we can teach that there's predictable Times where this worry imp is going to play tricks on you. For example, perfectionism, right? If you feel as though you have to do something and it has to be perfect and you notice that you're erasing over and over or crumpling up your homework, then this is a mind trick from the worry imp. Or you
0: can't start anything unless Mm, unless you're going to do it perfectly the first time.
1: And you're stuck in procrastination. Mm Mm-hmm. That kind of leads right into a question that I've had brewing here, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially since you've had your experience started in the school Mm -hmm. uh, as a teacher. So present with lots of kids witnessing their development, witnessing challenges, Mm -hmm. and then moving into the specialized practice that you've had. What would you say? I mean, we're all very familiar that anxiety exists. Mm -hmm. How is it impacting kids why is this important for us to address it Mm -hmm. and and recognize it and intervene and be proactive about it rather than just be like wow you know everybody gets this it's not that big of a deal
2: and we outgrow it and right just a phase kind of thing so the most important reason is because anxiety grows and so it's like snowball and it gets going and it gets momentum because really it's about this story in your mind that's that's there and feels so real until somebody helps you challenge it and break it down and so if you're believing this story and it's starting off small telling you something you know isn't safe like joining a new activity or something like that and then as your parents, you think, okay, well, this is causing too much stress. So let's not do that activity. But then another activity comes along. And now something your child used to love, they've decided, well, actually, no, don't feel comfortable with this either. And so one's world starts to get smaller, because the avoidance factor gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So, we do need to address it early, and that was the whole purpose of me creating the book for young children so that we can address this early parents and counselors and psychologists have got tools for how to work with the young children because CBT is really usually thought of more for the teens and for the adults but children can learn it as well Mm. so this way it shows how we can teach it in a in a fun way
1: that they can relate to Mm -hmm. thank you for that Mm. We've got a second song from you. And interestingly enough, the first one was like your theme song. This one's called Anthem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Would you like to tell us why you chose this song? Yeah. So this is
2: the um, Leonard Cohen song. And it's about there being a crack in all of us and letting the light shine in. And I guess really it's about the fact that we're not perfect and none of us are. And this is the other message that I am always trying to help children and teens and parents because as parents we can really you know take on a lot of guilt and, and beat ourselves up if things aren't going well for our children but we're all doing the best we can and none of us are perfect and we won't ever be perfect this is a lifelong journey so we need to be okay with that and then let the light shine in and yeah sometimes out of suffering comes growth in fact all the time suffering creates growth and and crisis creates opportunity and change and
1: so just being okay with that mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, let's take a listen to Leonard Cohen Anthem, and we will rejoin Sharon Zelby here in the studio in just a few minutes.
3: The birds they sing At the break of day Start again I heard them say, don't dwell on what has passed away or what is yet to be. Signs for all to see. I can't run no more with that lawless crowd. While the killers in high places say their prayers out loud. But they've summoned, they've summoned up a thundercloud gonna hear from me Ring the bell that's still The light gets in You can add up the parts You won't have a soul You can strike up the mark stay yeah.
1: Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and our guest Sharon Selby today, a registered clinical counselor. My tongue got all tangled up there. (laughs) Uh, We were just listening to Leonard Cohen's anthem um, and especially the lyrics around there is a crack where the light gets in. The, The remembering that the things that that I have to say, break us in quotes. I can't, mm-hmm. you know. I don't really air believe quotes. in like breaking break. Yeah, air <laughs> quotes. Yes, more
0: that crack us. Yes, yeah. the
1: things, the things that hurt, the things that knock us about. But that's still the things through which we find our brilliance or we shine our brilliance in the world. Thank you for that, Sharon. Mm-hmm. And Leonard Cohen, of course, takes us down a few notches to the, to the mellow zone. Yeah, we get and, mellow on yeah. a
0: Friday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon, I'm curious about what you would say to parents. Um, to help reassure them because I think it's really scary to have a Mm -hmm. child that's that's stuck in this pattern of anxiety Mm -hmm. and to feel like you don't have any tools to do anything about it Um, and I know that you're a parent yourself so Mm -hmm. you've had to deal with the same kinds of things that other parents have had to deal with Mm -hmm. Um, what what do you have to offer parents in terms of um, Advice um, reassurance mm-hmm. around w- what what they do already have going for them,
2: right well, a reminder that parenting really is the hardest job there is as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, yeah. and um, we've never been parents before, so uh, you know we're doing the best we can in the moment, and so to be kind to yourselves. And yes, definitely to seek out resources. We can't do this alone. We need each other. We need support. And especially if your child is dealing with something that's just out of your range, that is what Uh, people are there for who have the training to help you. And and don't feel ashamed that you have to reach out. It's it's part of all of us that we all have to reach out for help. We all need um, some guidance and support and someone to lean on. And Fortunately, the treatment for anxiety cognitive behavioral therapy is really known to have a high success rate. And so that will hopefully give you faith um, to know that as long as your child is moving in the right direction, it doesn't matter if it's really slow, but if your child is taking baby steps forward, then, then there you go. It's, it's happening and it may not be happening as quickly as you like. But you are making some progress. So to really remember that and um, also to not let your own worry and anxiety take over because we can start going into the future, having these fearful thoughts about, you know, what if my child never gets over this? What if it turns into depression? All these kinds of.
0: What if it's all my fault? Yes, yeah. it's,
2: it's, you know, all our own worry thoughts. Mm. So. We have to really stay grounded, stay in the present and, um, you know, celebrate the small wins and then just keep being there. Be that strong, supportive base for your child. Be their foundation and um, don't ever give up because I really, truly believe we'll all get there. Mm. It's just um, finding the right support and um, working as a team.
0: So speaking of support, Mm -hmm. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you have this lovely newsletter that you send out Mm -hmm. um, with really great practical tips in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So if people want to get on your mailing list Mm -hmm. um, and start partaking of some of that wisdom and experience that you have um, what should they do to get onto that mailing
2: list? Yeah so the best place to find me is my website which is my name SharonSelby.com so that's S-E-L-B-Y and there I have over 250 articles uh, for parents and educators and counselors and I have a lot of uh, free resources I have a free ebook. Called The Eight Common Mistakes to Avoid When Your Child is Anxious. You can get that at SharonSalby.com forward slash free. And, um, Yeah, my TEDx talk is another way to give you some support. It's also good for tweens and teens to watch. And that gives people the other two
0: points that we didn't Mm -hmm. showcase here. That's right. right. So if you want to know the two and the mm -hmm. three. There you go. Where the two was, the one and the three, where the two was in the middle. (laughs) Right. You want to check that one out. Yeah, that's right.
2: And then uh, my book is for sale on my website as well. Mm -hmm. Surfing the Worry Imps Wave. You'll see that right there on the homepage, and that's the best way uh, to get in touch with me, too. So, um,
0: And if people want to work with you, you're mm -hmm. in West Vancouver.
2: I'm in West Vancouver, and I do have a waiting list, um, but I have some other online options, Mm -hmm. and I um, also open up registration for my groups about once every two months. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, lots of different ways to get support.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sharon. This Thank was you. really, it was empowering, which is what you're <laughs> all <was>. about. <laughs> <Perfect. Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Luca, is there anything that's coming up soon that you want to let people know
0: about? Um, I'm starting a pow- uh, my next um, series of power circles um, on February the 2nd. So if anybody's interested in participating in that, uh, the information is on my website and you can get the contact information at the end of the show. Perfect. Um, not m- not for me this week. Not for you this <laughs> I'm good, week. I'm All good. I'm right. ready to do. Then I wonder oh. mm-hmm. what's around the corner. <laughs> Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached
1: at com. Highlight the fires that light a thousand more connect with rebecca at catchingfire.ca. yep 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 happy 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 happy
3: happy 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 boing 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 boing, 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 boing. Eep, eep.